Good morning, everybody. I'm Larry Jacobs. This is Free K-12 Education Talk Radio. And it is uh, December 12th, 2022. Let me get that music a little louder. What's going on? There we go. And I'm going to shut it down anyway. Hey, welcome to our show today. we got a special guest today. We have Mary, uh, two attorneys, Marianne Crincoli and Andy Andrew Melcher, both that, uh, attorneys with the law firm of Susson, Greenwald, and Wessler. And Marianne got in touch with me, and it was an interesting conversation. I invited her on the show. She invited Andrew. Okay, we're going to talk about handling disputes between parents and school districts and what everybody needs to know, parents and school districts. My name's Larry Jacobs. It's going to be a great week this week, kind of the week before, well, two weeks before Christmas, okay, here in 2022. We'd get a little bit of snow up here in Maine yesterday, our first snow of the season, a little dusting. So welcome to what I hope will remain a white Christmas. We'll see what actually We'll see what actually happens. Today's show will be archived just like we always do uh, here on Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio over at ace-ed.org, A-C-E-E-D.org. That's the home website of our American Consortium for Equity in Education. And if you go over there, you'll see everything we do, including our, we're very proud of our magazine, Equity and Access. It's an online journal. Click on the cover, read the latest issue. It's really good. We have all kinds of news on site, plus we have seltoday.org and teacher-retention.com. And every podcast we've done is over there, all over and linked at ace-ed.org. And if you're in education, please go over and uh, or involved with education anyway, please go over and uh, get a free subscription. We'd love to have you there. Okay, ace-ed.org. Educational services to which they are entitled. As one of the earliest New Jersey practices to focus on special education law and with professionals seasoned in both the law as well as special education, Sussman Greenwald and Wessler is uniquely qualified to take on the challenge of fighting for the rights of your child. For some reason, I'm hearing your answering machine. No answering music. <laughs> little waiting time music. What's going on? Andrew, Marianne, get that off of there and we can have our conversation. <laughs> you know, the amazing thing is you guys called in today. Is your will up to date? Are you familiar well, with your child's you financial rights? Susan Greenwald and Wesley can help you message. prepare for and protect your family's you financial you future. In addition to his financial state. background, attorney Alex Silson <laughs> has a Master of Laws in estate planning. <laughs> Ask about our convenient estate planning <laughs> services or find out today how a special needs trust can preserve your child's entitlement to certain legal Okay? Okay, I shut them down. Now there's me and Let's see what happens now. Okay, I'm going to get them back here. Hello? We're Lynn? back. Hello? Yes. <laughs> <That> was, <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm still that. That was what, that was the, That's the only time that ever happened in all the podcasts I've done where we got the answering message. And it was funny because yes. you guys called in, so I'm, I'm, I'm laughing. Okay? It's, it's good stuff. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> it wouldn't be a Monday without a tech issue, right? Exactly. Exactly, Andrew. You're exactly right. So no, no, no harm, no foul. And I tried to make sure everything was Susan Greenwald and Wessler that they called and heard the heard the wait message. So it was a riot. And, okay. and don't worry, guys. we Mary have a plan just in case it fails too. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay. All right. Hi, Marianne. Larry's here. How you doing? Hi, Larry. Good. How are Good. you? 
I'm fine, thank you, on this uh, on, a, on a white morning, a white morning and a little dusting of snow, our first snow of the season. Do you guys have snow yesterday? I heard it was a little it was crummy. I was watching the Giants game. Okay. Did you guys yep. have any snow? We have uh, we have a couple of inches actually in northern New Jersey. There you go. See? There you go. So what can I tell you? Andrew, you just said did you watch the Giants too? Were you there? Yeah, I, I wasn't at the game, but uh but we had I'm down in Princeton, we had a few flurries, oh. so it was just more ice than anything, which is um not as fun to look at and also not as fun to walk in. <laughs> hey Andrew, before we go any further, you're in Princeton, which brings you a little closer to Philadelphia. You Eagles or Giants? I'm the Eagles. Well, um, that's the problem with Central Jersey because your little keys go to both. Um, I did go to law school in Philadelphia. So there you go. I uh, and my family is originally from New York, so it's always been one of the biggest struggles of my life to figure out um, which way to go. I mean, being well, in Philly, you can't admit that. So that's right. Look at it. I, I have I have to say Eagles when I'm when I'm there. Good man, <laughs> good man. You're allowed to stay on the show now because I'm from Philly. Okay, oh. okay. <laughs> so that's good. And as far as your parents being New Yorkers, okay, you having some loyalties to the Eagles. Best advice to own your parents. That's the best way to survive in Philadelphia. Okay, that's all I can say. Okay, Eagles won, everybody. Hopefully they're not listening. Yeah, 48-22 or something. It was an incredible game. All right, but we'll just move on from that, talk about the law here. Marianne, you called a few months ago. We tried to get this together. We had a little tech problem last time, but we're we're on now. Okay. First of all, just tell us about either you and Andrew's practice or your law firm's practice, which does a lot of work representing families, both of you. And matters involving yeah, children so, with developmental disabilities, with uh, bullying matters, which I thought was incredible, and special mm-hmm. needs kids. Okay, so Marianne, just give us the overview. Marianne couldn't sure. call everybody. So, yeah. Sus- Thank you, Larry. Sussing Greenwald and Wessler um, is a boutique law firm that represents families who have children with special needs. Um, our firm has been doing this uh, in excess of 50 years. And um, all we do is represent families who have kids with special needs, and we obtain for them appropriate educational supports and services, ranging from 504 plans to IEPs to stronger in-district programs to out-of-district placements, therapeutic schools, and even, when necessary, residential therapeutic uh, boarding schools. I also handle um, most of the bullying matters uh, that families find themselves involved in, whether their children are special needs children or not. And we also have in our practice an attorney who devotes matters to um, estate planning, uh, wills, special needs, trusts, and guardianships. It's, you know, it's, in light of all this, it's important because you've got to take care of these kids. And, you know, you said something that really struck me because uh, I'm, I'm getting old, and I was in uh, education school a long time ago when I was a teacher, all right? And um, they never mentioned special education, and I'm talking 50 years ago. They never mentioned special education mm-hmm. at all, okay? It was that simple. And you said that the firm has been around for about 50 years mm-hmm. handling this, okay? And I remember kids who had Down syndrome uh, back when I was a kid. And, and those kids, I didn't, you didn't even see. They lived on the street, but they disappeared during the day. I don't know where they went, okay, in those days, okay? 
And, and we've I'm, certainly and come a long way. Yes, we thank God we have. And, you know, it's interesting, mm-hmm. but 50, 50 years of handling this, maybe I should ask Andrew, Andrew, get involved. What's, do you know the history of the firm? I mean, that's an interesting niche to be involved in 50 years ago. I'm, I'm pretty impressed. Sure, and I, so the reason we're all in this area of law is because we all have personal and professional connections to the field. The firm was founded in 1975 by Ted Susson, and he got into this because his son had autism. There and this is around the time when the IDEA, the Individuals um, with Disabilities in, in Education Act, um, came into, into pra- practice. So he actually had to take his school district to court to get his son the appropriate services. Mm. And he won, and it got on either the front page or one of the front sections of the Star-Ledger, which is the biggest paper in New Jersey. Yeah, and then from there, parents flooded in, um, and we've been growing ever since. And actually, um, I myself am a product of the IDEA. When I was in school, I had an IEP. I had an IEP from age five through when I graduated from high school. So oh. I personally know what it's like to not have the appropriate services, but I also know what success can bring when you do get the appropriate services. So, um, you know, when I say I'm, I'm invested in this, I really am. I can't imagine practicing anything else. Well, and, and, and I, let me just ask, Andrew, stay with me. When you went into law, did you intend to go into this type of practice? Was that the intent? That, that was one of them. Um, I wanted to get into something involving either government or something that has an impact on society as a whole. And what happened was, um, in law school, I had an internship at the New Jersey Attorney General's Education Law Section. Oh, well. So through that internship, I learned about the legal framework. I I looked at you know what happened with me when I was in school, and uh, you know and the experience is really valuable. So then after law school, when it came to applying for jobs, you know I really found that my story really had an impact, and I thought uh, you know this this is a really important area of law and. Hopefully, I can bring something to the table. How long have you been practicing this, Andrew? What was that? How long have you been practicing this type of law? So I've been with the firm since 2015. So I've been at the firm. Uh, it wow. will be eight years this coming summer. Wow. And then before that, I've spent about um, six, five or six months in total at the attorney general's office as well. Good for you, man. That's great. Marianne, how long have you been practicing this this type of law? So I've been practicing since 1994. um, So you started when you were six. I I can do math. You started when you were six years old. I got it. Yep. 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 And for the first, I would say, third of my career, I actually represented school districts. Um, so I was on the other side of the fence, and um, I, I was representing school districts across the state of New Jersey. And then I served as general counsel for two nonprofits who happened to provide educational services to underprivileged children, as well oh. as um, social and, and um Uh, medical um, services. And then uh, about seven years ago, I decided to switch sides, and now I work with families. Wow, good for you. Good for you. You you both have great hearts to do this, and it's so important that you do. 
All right. And as, as and you just said, you know, used to be on the other side, you know, how many prosecutors become a defense attorneys eventually and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It happens all the time. And the law is the law. You have to represent both sides of the law. Okay. It's that yes, simple. And you, you know, ha, ha, having yeah. been on the other side, I, I think I bring a unique insight yeah. um, into, into my cases and, you know, I, I feel that I'm able to set my clients' expectations um, really fairly and realistically. You, I'm, I'm sure you are. And I have to ask, you guys are a New Jersey firm, all right? Uh, Andrew, can, if, but we have people listening from all over the country, all right? Can they call you? Can, like if somebody's in Missouri, could they, can, can you represent them, or how does that work? You're, again, you guys so are New Jersey. the way it works is, the IDEA and Section 504 of the Rehabilitation Act, which are the two most commonly used laws in special education, are both federal laws. So the federal government sets what the laws are. The issue is that each state is charged with implementing it, and different states have different administrative procedures regarding those areas of law. So um, while we just do New Jersey, um, you know, oftentimes we do get calls from out of state. So what we do is we um, refer families to if we know other attorneys in other states or there are certain resources that we can um, send them to to help match them up with an attorney in their state. So it, while a lot of the law is the same, ultimately, you know, we, you know, just to be ethical, we always um, refer to someone that practices in their state. And, and just to stay with me, Andrew, I, this is an interesting question, and I, I know it's a great law firm. That's not why I'm asking this question. How busy are you guys these days? Is are more and more parents dealing with more and more disputes with school districts, or has it leveled off, or is it less than, be, than before the pandemic? However, you want to say it. What's the word these days? Just anecdotal. I'll ask Andrew that. It is certainly busy. Uh, you know, we are getting um, calls all the time. Our you know, our wait list, you know, for parents having consults can be weeks long. You know, mm. we've always been a very busy practice. There are not that many attorneys yeah. in the state that do this area of law day in and day out. So, you know, there, there's really no competition. And we have a very friendly relationship with um, other special education attorneys in the state. Um, but the pandemic has really been a huge driver. I mean, we've been dealing with this in real time ever since it happened. The learning loss, the areas of the law that yeah. were not addressing things that had to be updated in real time. And now we're seeing a lot of times parents um, calling us that their kids never had issues before the pandemic. And now all of a sudden it opened up a whole um, Pandora's box. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of families that are processing this for the first time. Um, you know, we have families that knew that their children needed, needed specialized supports a couple months after they were born, but now we're seeing, a lot of uh-huh. older students, you know, engaging in school refusal, school anxiety, mental health issues. It's an evolving area of law, um, but those students have the same exact rights as students that either have learning disabilities or on the autism spectrum have a communication mm-hmm. impairment. So it's, it's the, the makeup of the um, students that we're getting um, is definitely shifting in that direction. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, and I'll I'll just give you a statistic from the world of education, is that the number one priority of of a funding need these days, according to superintendents and state ed tech people, okay, is social-emotional learning, curriculum and tools. Exactly. Okay, which has to do, of course, with, yeah, with mental health, okay? And and again, if the kids aren't emotionally 
if I may, ready to learn, they're not going to learn. And, of course, the pressure of the pandemic, okay, and the lack of socialization, which is so important to kids during the pandemic, you can go on and on, okay? It's not easy out there, okay? And when you said just now that there's so much more in the area of mental health, okay, it, it's just amazing. So let, me, so let me ask this. I'll go to Marianne. Now, Marianne, what, what, what's going on now in New Jersey? Okay, what, what, are, what are the big disputes now, and how do they usually get resolved? A lot of people would love to, no offense to either of you, avoid an attorney. Okay, they like to go in and talk to the principal or the superintendent, okay, and get it fixed. But obviously, well, what, what's, what's the usual argument in these days? What's, what's happening that the school district themselves can't handle, and, and the parents need an attorney? And by the way, so does the school so, district, I might add. Yeah, but go ahead. Marianne. Larry. That's a great question. Um, and just to sort of piggyback on what you were last commenting on with Andrew, um, the emotional disabilities cases are really on the rise um, as a result of the pandemic. And even though school districts throughout the country um, are undertaking initiatives for social emotional learning, for some of these kiddos, um, the emotional deficits, the anxiety, the depression, the PTSD, um, it is so crippling that it's impacting their ability to even get to school. And even if they're able to get to school, their availability to learn um, is just not there. And, you know, school districts are, are obviously in, in it for the education, but education is a broad concept, right? So it's not just about academics. It's about whatever skills a child really requires in order to be able to be a functioning member of, of the school community and beyond. So if it's social skills, if it's emotional skills, if it's toileting skills, whatever those skills are, hmm. the school district's on the hook uh, for, for providing for it. So we're seeing a rise in the emotional disabilities cases. We're also seeing a lot of disputes um, for kids who are already classified who are not making educational progress. And a lot of the lack of progress is stemming from uh, the pandemic and the world of virtual oh, yeah. learning, which, which was really challenging for a lot of our, our special needs kiddos, in particular, the ones with ADHD who have trouble sitting and focusing. Um, so we're, we're seeing a lot of those kinds of cases and, and how to avoid them and the reason why a conversation with a principal or a superintendent isn't going to fix it. First of all, principals and superintendents um, are not typically part of a child study team or an IEP team, and that's the team that has to really um, evaluate the students and determine strengths and weaknesses and tailor programs specifically to meet the unique needs of a child. And so those administrators are not normally involved in the process. So we have to make sure that the team is engaging in what's known as their child find obligation, uh, which means that they have a duty to locate, identify, and evaluate all students who are suspected of having a disability. And again, it's not just about academic decline. So if you're seeing a student mm -hmm. who's withdrawing in social settings, or you're seeing a student who's frequently going to the nurse, or is sitting by themselves at lunch, or is absent frequently, there are, there are signs that, that, the, that the teachers and administration need to be on the outlook for so that they can identify these students and evaluate them. 
Um, many of the cases resolve in, in a myriad of ways. Oftentimes, it's identifying the kids and giving them the appropriate services that they need. That could mm-hmm. mean a 504 plan or it could mean an IEP. Um, it means evaluating them in all areas of suspected disability. So if you're seeing a child who's academically doing fine, but socially and emotionally, you're, you're either noticing that there are issues in the school building or you have parents reaching out to teachers and administrators saying, my kid is breaking down when he or she gets home from school um, and is so anxious and is not able to complete his or her homework on time, the school district needs to pay attention to these kinds of things. Um, I, I, man, I, I agree with you on all that. Believe me, I agree. And everybody, every single person listening agrees with that. Okay. But I have to ask, you know, take a breath. I'll, I'll ask Andrew this. Okay. Thank you, Marianne. Okay. Andrew. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, let, let's take a look at uh, – I'm from Philly, so let's go across the bridge to Camden, okay? Camden is a – it's about no offense to Camden, Campbell Soup, okay? But it's, a, it's, a, it's an old city, and it's beat up, okay? And those mm-hmm. kids are as important as any other kids, the kids who go to Camden public schools, all right? But, it, it, again, I'm using them as an example. You guys are New Jersey-based. We can go to Newark as well or any major city over there, okay? The, the thing is, okay, the school districts – are short of psychologists, guidance counselors. They're having, there's a terrible teacher pipeline these days. There's nobody getting into education. The teachers are overworked. You guys know Abbott Elementary on TV and all that. Not making excuses. I don't mean to make excuses because every kid deserves a proper education, okay, and deserves everything we can give to them. But what if we can't find the stuff to give to them? Andrew, how's that work? That. That's an excellent question, and and you know just like Abbott Elementary, Camden is an Abbott school district. It's and I'm and I'm sure that's why that show is named what it is, because um, it's a certain set of school districts that require additional funding um, in order to provide for the students' needs. So what is, is that called? Wait a minute, hold on. Is that called Abbott? an Abbott? I don't. I didn't. I didn't know that. It is. It is actually. Is um, there are, I, I did not know that. Fifteen or there are Go fifteen ahead. or twenty New Jersey school districts. I believe it stems from. A, um, either a court decision or a law, but they're called Abbott school districts. So Newark is one, Trenton is one, Camden is one. So wow. That, that's it. When I saw that title, I, that light bulb immediately went off. Wow. Well, now the light bulb goes off. I never knew that. Thank you. Great, great fact. Exactly. Okay, but so, anyway, continue. And so to get back to your question, yeah. um, so what's happening in Camden is happening across the state. Nearly every school district is having a shortage of staff, and there's uh, faculty turnover. So we're, you know, we, we are, even though we represent parents, we are aware of that. And what Marion was saying about um, letting clients know, you know, to keep the expectations realistic, uh, because, you know, ultimately um, the student is entitled to an appropriate education. It, it's, the school district is not required to maximize the student's potential, but an appropriate educational program should result in meaningful educational progress. Progress is noticeable for that student. So um, what, there are a number of things in the law that we can go to. So if the school district does not have the appropriate staff that are needed to meet the student's needs within the district staff, they are allowed to contract with outside providers to, ah. um, to provide those supports. Um, you know, they can help link up parents with supports. There, you know, if, if a student's needs can't be met within the public school, they are allowed to look toward 
out-of-district special education schools, uh, but of course those have a significant cost as well. So it often involves real collaboration between parents and school districts. That's one of the things we pride ourselves on because we have good working relationships with most school districts across the state. And that helps us resolve the vast, vast, vast majority of cases we get involved in because the courts are backed up. Um, you know, it's, it's a very tough um, situation educationally out there. So oftentimes the ability to build those relationships with the school district, and we help clients do that. We don't go in there pounding our fists, yelling, because that, that doesn't work. This is about kids. And we know that school district staff, they also want the students to do well, too. Of course. And this is not personal. So sometimes, sometimes actually getting an outside perspective, either from our firm or, you know, if the parents get an outside evaluation, can help provide that information or help everyone be heard. So we, we do pride ourselves on trying to resolve cases and then using litigation as a last resort. And that really helps um, everyone in the long run. So is the result what are the parents looking against the school district are they looking for or they're not looking for money they're looking for a resolution okay and I have to right. ask and Marianne are the, are the, are the resolutions uh, I know what Andrew just said about bringing in outside help but all this costs money okay are are the resolutions usually satisfactory these days I don't know how to ask that answer that yes so, that so you know, we, we settle 98% of our cases, um, and we work that. really hard yeah. to do that because because going to trial is super expensive. Oh. And so yeah. matter, matters resolve in a variety of ways. And sometimes um, a school district, just for an example, for a student who who's already classified and parents are concerned that the child is not making meaningful educational progress, Sometimes the solution is that the program just needs to be tweaked slightly um, to improve upon goals and objectives, and the programming needs to be improved slightly. And oftentimes school districts are willing, ready, and able uh, to step up the game and provide an appropriate program and to bring in the supports and services that are necessary. If that happens and the program that's on paper is implemented with fidelity and integrity and the student makes meaningful educational progress, then yes, the, the resolution is satisfactory and, and it works. Sometimes, however, the school district is either unwilling or unable uh, to provide the kind of program that a child requires. So let's, let's talk about a kid who's got Wait, but really, really unwilling? You use that word, unwilling. School district's unwilling? That's interesting, right there. Sometimes. Sometimes they, you know, sometimes a child um, requires specialized therapeutic supports, and a school district, you know, just by their very nature, doesn't offer those kinds of services okay. within the public yeah. school, and they'll, and they'll, they'll contend that... Um, they're unable to uh, provide the service that the parent believes the child requires. And they say, well, we can do X, but the experts say the child requires Y. If the school district is unable uh, to provide it, it's, it may say no. Um, if they are unwilling because they don't believe that the child requires that kind Ooh. of intensive program, 
then Ooh. then unfortunately on, on those occasions we oftentimes have to resort uh, to filing a petition for due process and instituting litigation. But again, we settle 98% of our cases, and in those instances, how those cases usually pan out is um, the parents will oftentimes make what's called a unilateral placement. Uh, they'll they'll uh, place their child in a therapeutic out-of-district school, and they'll seek uh, contribution, financial contribution wow. from the school district. And those cases will often end in a cost share arrangement where the parents pay for a portion of the program and the school district pays for a portion of the program. Um, and so the cases do settle in a variety of ways. And the other thing I wanted to just mention. Go ahead, Andrew. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Larry. No, you uh, go. The go other ahead. thing I wanted to mention is that when you file for due process, that doesn't mean you're going to trial right away. The law embeds several resolution procedures within um, within the whole um, process. So the first thing you can do is a resolution session with the school district. Um, then you can also do mediation. So in New Jersey, you get a state-appointed mediator with expertise in special education that will meet with the parents, the school oh. district, and if they have attorneys, the attorneys, and disputes can often be resolved that way. If mediation fails, then before you actually go to a trial, you have a settlement conference with an administrative law judge and that judge's job is to really try to work with the parties and sometimes put a little pressure on them to try to really think about do we really want to fight this or do we want to try to figure out a way that um, we can resolve it that everyone is satisfied with so when we file for due process you know there are many 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 times where we're not actually going to hearing but filing allows us access to those resolution procedures, which can then help the parties um, and can often help bring the temperature down because you're bringing in someone from the outside to help resolve. It, it, it's just fascinating. And one other thing, Andrew, while you're there, how long does a typical take, case take to resolve? So that, that's a good question. So, there, um, so we. I mean, do you start with the kids in kindergarten and by 12th grade they're said they're all set or what's going on? Oh, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, no, but special education is the second highest priority case within the New Jersey administrative law system. The Whoa. first is public utilities. Um, so I guess you wow. have to keep the lights on to keep the courts on, but, uh, but that does help. So we often tell parents cases can take six to 12 months from the time we get That's involved, but that can also involve getting to know that the child, we like to meet the kids that we represent to get a sense of who they are. Um, we also may refer them um, to outside evaluations with experts in education to get a real idea of what they need. That can often involve observing the child in school. Parents have a right to either um, um, observe in school or to have someone that is working with the child observe them in school. So that's a good way to figure out what exactly is going on in the program. And then when you actually file for due process, it triggers a 30-day resolution period where mediation or a resolution session have to take place. And if those fail, then you go to a settlement conference, um, usually about one to three weeks later. So once you actually file, by court standards, things move quickly. The problem is if you actually go to trial, judges are booked out months in advance. So if you were to get assigned a trial now, you could have one date in February, 
two dates in March, and then you may not have another date until May or June. They're not consecutive. So that's another one of the reasons why settling is so important, because it gets the student what they need faster. And it, if it's not 100% of what the parents want, but it really changes the overall program or makes a real difference, that is something important to consider, because, um, you know, you, you may want to, you know, for principal's sake, get um, everything that, it, that you think your, your child needs. But if there's something that's really worth it that could be brought in now, um, and it would save everyone the time and expense of litigation because in a trial, it's all or nothing. Um, that's, that's something we work really hard to do to help um, our clients see the big picture and what everything looks like. Well, it's just so fascinating to me because I'm not, I, I don't usually deal in the side. It's, real, it's really, really interesting. When I deal with special ed, usually on the show, it's, um, you know, from the special ed pedagogical side. Okay, of what's going on in special ed, but this side is just so it's so important to deal with this and for school districts and parents to understand this. I have to ask something else. I'm going to swing back to Marianne. Marianne, I, I think it was you. Yes, you're the one who you, you handle bullying as well as quote emotional mental health needs special ed, but bullying is something else that you handle, and that's that's yeah. important. Okay, and I, I hope it's died down. No pun intended there. From uh, no bad pun intended there from from the it was it seemed to be worse before the pandemic. How is it now? I hope we've learned something about it. So, but I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so I I would say you know the anti bullying law um, in New Jersey c- came into effect in in two thousand and two. Um, it's really not that old, and I I will say that over the years. Um, we've seen less bullying cases than we initially did, but they're still out there. Um, and kids are, you know, school districts are working media. really and social hard. Social media isn't helping. Social media is not helping. It's not helping at all. And, and yeah. you know, in New Jersey, the law just changed. Um, and cyberbullying uh, brings with it uh, some significant fines for parents. Um, and we're seeing, you know, school districts are making an effort uh, to, to focus on inclusivity and accepting people for who they are. Uh, we're seeing a lot of um, some of the bullying cases that we're seeing have to do with gender identity issues mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and kids making fun of, of other kids because of their gender identity. And um, school districts have pretty wide latitude when it comes to determining whether they're going to pursue an investigation under an HIV violation or if they're going to pursue it under uh, another code of conduct infraction. And I think what's most important for everyone to understand is that even if the behavior complained of does not rise to the level of a violation of a harassment, intimidation, and bullying policy, it's still probably not appropriate and it still needs to be addressed. So, um, you know, we, we oftentimes will help parents, you know, if they, if they call our office and they're upset because their child has either been found to have violated the policy or has been a victim yeah. of bullying, um, right. if we don't feel that they have a viable case for an appeal, um, we will help them to get measures in place uh, to protect their child going forward. And that's something that we do just by way of, you know, reaching out to the school district's attorney and scheduling a meeting with the, with the administrators and the relevant staff to say, hey, look, 
there's something going on here with these children. Uh, we understand why you didn't find it to be an HIV violation, but it's still not appropriate. The child is still being impacted. Yep. And what are yep. some things yep. that we could do to, to make this child feel safe at school? I, I, you know, it, it's it's so complicated, and it it, re, it really scares me. I'm curious if are, are the school districts talking to their the children in school about this and saying this is against the law? Is there some way that they're communicating that because kids are idiots, okay, and yeah. they they will bully oh. if they have the chance. They they that's just why we have children's court because they're not as responsible as adults. Okay, but it, it so is incumbent are... upon the school district to make sure that the kids understand that if you bully somebody, it is against the law. It's not only against the school policy, it's against the law of the state of New Jersey and probably 49 other states, too. Okay, yeah. do the kids and get there that? Are, yeah. there, are re- there are requirements built into the law um, that tell school districts that they have to educate um, staff and students about bullying. Um, a lot of schools, when, when, you know, the law changes, it evolves every few years, and every time it evolves, there's updated training. Um, usually, attorneys for school districts will go in uh, and train staff and administration on what the law says, what protocol needs to be followed, what their obligations are. My firm and myself often lecture uh, families on what school district obligations and parental rights are, and training is part of the law. So, you know, whether students or staff adhere uh, to to those parameters might be another question. But yes, yes, the answer to your question is yes. Good, good. They have to do that because it's, uh, I remember that case years ago in Massachusetts of a young lady who committed suicide, unfortunately. I think Catherine Prince was her name. And it was in Western Mass. Mm -hmm. And it was a horrible story. And uh, she was bullied. She was bullied on the Internet. And uh, that was a national store that, 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 that got national stuff. All right. And, yep. uh, and, a, and a lot of, oh, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's horrible. And unfortunately, a lot of the kids are afraid to um, make a formal bullying complaint uh, because they're afraid that they're going to be retaliated against. And similarly, yeah. I yeah. think in some instances, school districts are, um, oftentimes reluctant to pursue an HIV investigation, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's a tough call. And um, I think that, you know, more often than not now, school districts will err on the side of caution because of all of the yeah. uh, mental health issues that are happening and the school shootings and things right. of that nature. That's, that's all pushing school districts to pursue these investigations more regularly and comprehensively. It's really it's a brave new world out there, and you guys are handling it. i got to tell you, this was a great show. I really enjoyed talking to you, Andrew, Marianne. This was wonderful. Please come back sometime in the future, obviously, and we'll, we'll just talk some more about this. This was great. Thank you. Thank you, you Larry. Thank you it's, it's, a, it's our pleasure Thanks. and honor to, to be on your show. We really appreciate the opportunity. You have I to get the word it. out. Um, and yes. we'd be more than happy to come on again. We, we love doing this. We love spreading the word. So I love, uh, I love yeah, having you on. So let's stay in touch. Let's stay in touch. You're going to get my uh, show list every week. That'll kind of be a little reminder on your emails. Okay. And get a few months. Absolutely. Again. Okay. Great stuff. Thank All right. You. Thank Thanks, you. Larry. Marianne, Andrew. Happy holidays. <laughs> 
Happy! I was just going to say the same. Happy holidays to you guys. Okay, and let's happy hope holidays. for continuing. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew, let's hope for continuing Eagles wins. That's what we want. Continuing <laughs> Eagles wins. Got that? I agree, but hopefully, Thank you, my friend. hopefully, uh, hopefully, there won't be any scandals from this show about my uh, sports preferences. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You've taken a safe bet. By the way, both New York teams lost yesterday, so it's not going to be a happy day in Manhattan. What can I? And Northern New Jersey, where they play, I might add. So, uh, you know, what can I tell you? All right, go Eagles, fly Eagles, fly. What can I say? Thank you, Marianne. Thanks, Take care, Andrew. Larry. Take care, Thanks guys. Again. Have a great one. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> that was great. Okay, that's the law firm in New Jersey, Susson. S-U-S-S-A-N, Susson, Greenwald, and Wexler. Excuse me, Wessler, W-E-S-L-E-R. That was Attorney Andrew Meltzer, Attorney Marianne Crinconi, and what they do, okay, Crinconi, and what they do, okay, is deal with parents and school districts, special needs, bullying, okay, children with developmental disabilities, and it's important for school districts. And for parents to know. So I'm glad we could do this show. It was just great. They're wonderful guests. All right, we're going to archive over at ace-ed.org. My name is Larry Jacobs. This is Pre-K-12 Education Talk Radio. Thanks for listening.